Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast from dynastyleaguefootball.com and a dlf family of podcasts that's Stompy the Bear. I feel like Nate Dog this quarantine. Hey, 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 hey. Smoke weed every day. That's Star Healing, Dr. Ethan Turner. Yeah, I'm essential, so I'm not allowed to do what Stompy does. And I am John, six-year itch hoag, and this is the Super Flex Super Show. And it is Super 6 time. It's kind of been a while, so we needed to get back to this. We've got the NFL draft coming up in about a week. And, of course, the live show, uh, the Superflex Super Show, going live through the NFL draft, at least through the, the first two days. And then uh, we'll do a live mock draft at the end of the, of the NFL draft. But uh, just, man, we've just – I feel like we've just run these these – rookies through the meat grinder about as much as we possibly could but we're gonna squeeze just a little bit more traction out of this and uh, talk about rookies just a little bit more in our super six that's our top six top six lists um and uh it's it's kind of been a while since we've done those so if you're not familiar um it's uh it's kind of a callback to uh, Ryan McDowell's fantasy follows where, uh, the last time he did a podcast one, we were named the sixth best fantasy football podcast. And, uh, since then we've been doing, um, lists of our top six, top six, uh, is, a is kind of a, uh, kind of to, uh, to remember that, that shining moment that we had. So we're going to do some of that. It's definitely going to be plenty of football, um, but it's not all football. So, uh, get ready for uh, it, some of you are probably just going to shut this off a little bit early when we get to some of the uh, less fantasy football related stuff. Uh, fair warning. Before we get into that, though, are you tired of the same old dynasty format? Think you have what it takes to be a real champion? DLF has partnered with Safe Leagues and Commission Extraordinaire Scott Fish to create the brand new DLF Championships Champions cup series uh in the dlf champions cup series you you're matched up in a super flex tight end premium division with points and payouts awarded each year uh, and the bonus is that every third year your cumulative points go up against a larger field to see who wins the champions cup claim a team today and begin your journey to hoist the champions cup and claim the one thousand dollar grand prize Visit DynastyLeagueFootball.com slash SafeLeagues to sign up today. 
by the way, yeah, not only is that super flex, it's six point for passing touchdowns, negative four for interceptions, and that tight end premium is two, two points for every reception for a tight end. Uh, everybody else gets one point. So it's a it's it's a very unique format. I, do you either of you guys have a team in that yet? I do not. Um, I keep seeing it, but I keep adding too many leagues already. Yeah. And I'm sure somebody could convince me to do it very easily, but I'm just like, I'm in like six already that I started this stupid goddamn quarantine. <laughs> did I just convince you with that ad read? You didn't even need to. I'm sure somebody goes, Hey, you want to join this? And I see who's in it. And I'm like, all right, God damn it. I'm in it. I've got a team. So there you go. I'm going to win a thousand dollar prize. And there's, would I be, would I be in the South? Uh, I think you, I mean, you can pick whichever one you want. I, I took the West cause I'm in essentially the West part of the country, but, uh, I, I, yeah, you, I think you could pick whichever division you want. Ethan, I think you're supposed to answer the question too, buddy. Well, I suppose I should probably answer the question. Um, no, I'm not. Cause I'm on a league hiatus. I'm not joining any more leagues. I was in too many leagues last year and I let a few of them go to the wayside. I was when I, when I get to the point where I don't remember to do waivers cause I'm just so burnt out of doing waivers every week. I'm in too many leagues. I'm out. So I've cut back. So I will not be adding any leagues this year, uh, after what I already have currently. So no more. Nice. This is uh this is this is gonna this is on a T for me then. If I'm the only member of the super show uh that's actually in this league, although I think Brian and James are both in it, so uh but uh, I mean whatever. Those those it, it's still gonna be a pretty easy takedown for me and unless uh you guys have a change of heart and jump in. So um the one the only difficult part for me is the fact that I've got a co-owner. It's a guy who I've one of my good friends uh, that I've been playing with for, I mean, as long as I've been playing fantasy football, uh, he's actually the one who got me, <clears throat> got me into fantasy football in the first place. And we've been mortal enemies. This is the first time that we're actually teaming up and I can tell I'm making him so uncomfortable with all my, all my quarterbacks. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> he absolutely hates it. And he keeps asking me, who's going to start a wide receiver for us? I'm like, oh, it is April. I don't care. I don't care who's starting for us at any position yet. Just load up on quarterbacks. Anyways, <laughs> but <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm converting yet another co-owner. But um, so it's a really fun format. Everybody should check it out. And uh, I, I mean, some uh, these two aren't going to jump in. So somebody's got to stop me from taking down this this three year Champions Cup, uh, the, the entire series. So um, so jump in at uh, DynastyLeagueFootball.com slash safe leagues. All right, there we go. Let's get to our six packs. We've got an entire case for you. Six six packs, in fact. So. Um, and we're going to go ahead and start with the rookies, uh, before we get to more of the fun stuff. Let's, let's finish off our analysis of this year's rookie class one week before they come into the league. And let's talk about some, uh, some, we'll start actually with the players. We're going to talk about some guys who are 
landing spot dependent players. These are players if they land in the right situation, uh, and and it's I I mean it's going to be up to you guys if you want to talk about what situation they belong in. Um, but let's get a, a little bit of analysis on each one of these guys. But for the most part, just give me your top six landing spot dependent players. I think that, I mean, we could talk about this list in any way. I, I wouldn't take it as, oh, these are the rankings. Um, I think probably w- one of the most landing spot dependent ones is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, seems to be uh, in a lot of people's top five running backs. Uh, there's There's been a lot of information about him and his pass catching ability. Um, so he could... I think he's going to um, carve out a role wherever he lands. Uh, I think he will be probably a day two pick. But if he lands in a spot like Tampa Bay or Kansas City or even like someplace like Pittsburgh where he could very easily take the starting role and run away with it, I mean, I would think that he jumps ahead of I, – I, I would – depending on what, what the four guys I have ahead of him, um, so that's Dobbins, Swift, Taylor, and Akers, he could jump ahead into that top three very easily if one of those guys or two of those guys land in a bad spot, perceived bad spot, and Hilaire lands in a spot where he could very easily take over the starting role. Um, he has that type of talent in my eyes. Uh, he's a little slower but he's very dynamic um, and potentially could be a three down running back if, if he becomes a starter. But then again, he could also land in a spot where he just becomes the satellite back and there goes his value. Yeah, I agree. I think Edwards Hilaire is definitely the guy that could, he stands to at least benefit the most if he lands in a primo spot. I mean, I, I don't think it's a, I think of the top kind of five running backs in this class, he seems to always kind of sneak in at that four or five range for most people. Um, and I feel like he's one that in certain situations, I could definitely see him uh, being a, especially a, in a PPR a PPR league, really being a premium asset uh, as a rookie. The question is, does he end up on one of those teams? Um, and, and is it a team where he's just a PPR, you know, third down back, you know, intermittently with a stud running back, or is he actually a, a third down back that gets some work a, as a first and second down back too? So um, there's not a ton of spots for these running backs this year. I mean, we've had uh, dating back the last since 2017, we've had three basically really good running back classes come in um, depth wise. So there's not a whole lot of premium spots for these dudes to land in. So uh, Hilaire could just be the odd man out. Um, you know, with the with the running back class and this year uh, being as as deep as it is at the top Hilaire might be end up in a committee and that's just it's going to sink his value for sure so inside baseball john just sent us a uh, private chat <laughs> saying let's you make call let's, me out like this yeah let's let's right. create or let's list off everybody and then we'll go back and talk in depth hey john let us do our process man i'm just kidding um, <laughs> you guys were complaining about the fact that I put together such a such an intricate 
uh, show. Yeah, man, for you. we would you never be loose. Do Big, that. Lebowski, Big Lebowski, man, just relax. John, we would never do such a thing. To you. <laughs> but all right, so yeah, we'll go back. Our our top six landing spot, but dependent players. We have these are the six that we feel have the most to gain or lose uh, on their landing spots. But really, if you think about it, all of these rookies are landing spot dependent. Um, but that's semantics at this point. So we we want to look at uh, A.J. Dillon, LaVisca Chenault, Lynn B- Bowden, Joshua Kelly, Jalen Hurts, and obviously Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, so, we, I mean, you heard us talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire there. I think another very interesting one uh, is LaVisca Chenault. Um, he, he's a, he reminds, I think, a lot of people of a gadget player. He had a fantastic junior season. Um, kind of took a step backwards in his senior year and he he's more of like he's not as fast as Tyree Kill but he's more of like that type of player Randall Cobb Tyree Kill can play out of the backfield um can be used deep uh he's not the best route runner he's not great at getting off of coverage off off a of press so i it it really depends on where he lands in terms of if he lands in a spot and Ethan is, we were talking about this earlier lands in a spot that has creative play calling has like an Andy Reed type of play caller that will use him or even Mike McCarthy um, will use him to highlight his variety of skill sets um, and get him in the open and running. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's he's one that definitely, if you if you pigeonhole him as just a receiver, you're not really maximizing his potential uh, as a fantasy asset or as a, a, a football player. So, um, you know, he's he showed in college that he can be dynamic, and I think he's more comfortable working um, in a dynamic type of role where he is taking you know handoffs out of the backfield. Um, you know, he is taking handoffs on jet sweeps. He is getting you know short routes, long routes. I mean, you can't just put him in one spot and say, you're an outside receiver because you're big and fast. Okay. That doesn't, I don't think that's maximizing his potential. Um, and, and I really feel like, you know, a, t- a team that is super creative with him could have a, a very interesting weapon that they use on offense. Um, it seems like everyone, every team right now, the, the, the buzz player that everyone wants is a guy like Debo Samuel. I think Chenault could be that, uh, but he has to be schemed into that. Um, you know, he's not going to just do it on his own. So um, I definitely like Chenault there. Another guy that, you know, kind of in the same vein as Chenault uh, that we mentioned is Lynn, Lynn Bowden Jr. Um, so so Bowden, he, we don't really know for sure what his best position is because at Kentucky they basically said you're the best player on this team you're the best athlete we need you to be the quarterback when their quarterback got hurt we need you to be he played wide receiver he as a quarterback he was basically just a wildcat quarterback I mean I think he led the SEC in rushing if I'm not mistaken um, which is pretty impressive for a guy that's not actually lining up as a running back Um, but but Bowden is a guy that, again, he needs some some dynamic play calling for him to really maximize his potential. And I think if you just made him play wide receiver or just made him play running back, um, you're not really getting the the full kind of uh, skill set involved. I think he reminds me a little bit of a guy like like Taysom Hill. 
Um, I would like to see him being used, you know, as a guy who could maybe throw a little bit, but also could could take handoffs. Where if he's if he's back in the in the backfield, and he's going to take the snap, you don't know what's going to happen. And I think that that is um, an interesting dynamic that teams could add with him. Um, but it's really going to depend on where he show where he ends up. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bounds extremely unique in that he was playing a significant amount of quarterback, but somehow he had 30 receptions. If you, if you look at his stats, it's one of the craziest things. He's like throwing to himself. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's, he's pulling a Bugs Bunny. Um, but he also led the SEC in rushing. Yeah. So think about that for a second. I mean, it's pretty you, impressive. Yeah, when you take into account like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was in the SEC, um, uh, Najee Harris is in the SEC, uh, DeAndre Swift and Lynn Bowden from Kentucky was the lead rusher. And I, I saw a tweet from Ray GQ and it said something like in the first four games, he had zero rushing yards or something like that. And then like the last eight, like he, that tells you exactly like he took off. So, I mean, he's going to be well, that's, extremely I think, interesting. I think that's when the quarterback got hurt. And so he got put in that. He was playing wide receiver for four games, and then he got put as a quarterback. And then he just – I mean, that's just unreal that – to me, it reminds me a lot of high school football. I mean, high school football, most of the time, the best player on the team is the quarterback because he's the most athletic. He's uh, – you know, and so if – if he can do that in college, I mean, he's clearly got the athleticism to do it, to be effective in the NFL. But how is how are they going to use him? Are they going to pigeonhole him into one of these positions? Um, I, I mean, I think that's really to be seen. Um, we'll have to we'll have to see where he goes and kind of where he fits in the best. Um, but but yeah, I agree. What he did at Kentucky was absolutely bonkers. When you look at the numbers, it just every time I look at one, it just gets crazier. Yeah. Um, I think the the final one we'll we'll really go in depth here um, is Jalen Hurts. I don't know if I made made it be known on this. Yes, I did with Matt um, Hicks, but I love Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is kind of my my hill in this class. Um, I think that he has an enormous ceiling, but it's kind of the same somewhat situation as. Lamar Jackson, where he needs to land a spot like LaVisca Chenault or Lynn Bowden, where the team will build or, or has an open mind, has is, is a creative mind on the offensive side of the ball, and they need to build around his skill sets, much like what Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson, what um, Buffalo is doing with Josh Allen, what the Eagles have done with Carson Wentz and obviously what Kansas city has done with Patrick Mahomes. So that's, he might be the most landing spot dependent person in this draft, just because of the fact that you, he's not a quote unquote traditional quarterback. He is one of the new, um, new era quarterbacks like, Kyler Murray, like Josh Allen, like Lamar Jackson, that are going to be able to run the ball. And he's got, I don't know if he has near the ceiling as a rusher as Lamar Jackson, because Lamar Jackson is faster, but he could get upwards of 800 yards on the ground is 
how good this guy is running the ball. And then on top of that, he's not the worst thrower in the world. People have been so hyperbolic about him being like Tim Tebow. And it's just bananas to me. He has, yes, he had issues at Alabama, but he's worked on those throwing issues and he looked a lot better, a lot more smooth in his throwing motion. Not to mention the fact that he threw for 32 touchdowns. He threw for almost 3,000 yards in uh, his freshman season at Alabama. He is a good enough quarterback to for a team to take a chance on his rushing ability. We, we've seen what Lamar Jackson can do, and teams would be uh, – the open-minded teams, I think, will be able to build around him and achieve success with Jalen Hurts in, in, in trying to um, encompass all of his skills. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, Hertz actually, I know you mentioned Lamar Jackson a few times, um, but I remember, uh, I remember the the preseason um, kind of hype around Josh Allen and and kind of how we just we really underplayed his athletic ability and how that might translate to fantasy. Um, I think Hertz is as good of an athlete as Josh Allen is. Now, I don't think he has the the cannon of an arm that Josh Allen has. He's obviously not, you know, six, six um, with, you know, this massive arm that could be molded into something. But here's the thing. Josh Allen hasn't been necessarily super efficient with that huge cannon of an arm, but because he can rush the football, he's a top 10 quarterback every year. And so I think that hurts in the right situation with a team that's willing to build around his skill set could very much hit those numbers based on his rushing. And and like you said, Stomp, I mean, he is a, a, a very adequate passer um, when asked to do that. Um, I think his legs open up a lot of passing opportunities that maybe other quarterbacks aren't going to get because you have to keep linebackers honest on him because he can hurt you running. So um, I totally agree that that uh, Jalen Hurts is a dude that I, mean, I don't see any any way that Jalen Hurts should be falling past the middle of the second round in rookie drafts this year, um, especially in Superflex, because there's just there's too much potential there for him to be productive in fantasy. Um, even if you don't love the total package from a uh, winning quarterback in the NFL level. Um, and I think he could still win as an NFL quarterback too. So let's uh, in to wrap up these, these players, let's go back through the entire six, just real quick. Just like, give me a, maybe even a one word answer if, if, if possible on some of them, but like, what's a, what's a good landing spot for each of these six players? What's the the landing spot that, uh, that, that brings out the most for each of these guys? Well, I mean, I think with the running backs, it's very, I mean, AJ Dillon and uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I mean, Someplace like Tampa Bay. I, I mean, I if Clyde Edwards Hilaire landed in Tampa Bay, I would think that he would move into the top three for me. Because you are in a an offense, a, I mean, a really probably a high powered offense. We I mean, we'll see with Tom Brady, but I'd imagine it's not gonna be that much diminished without Jameis Winston. With a coach who has coached Pass catching running backs in the past. I don't was he. I I don't know if Bruce Arians was there with Lev Bell at the beginning of his career, but um, he also had David Johnson, obviously, and unleashed David Johnson. Um, 
So, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, many are saying is the best route runner since or pass catching running back since Christian McCaffrey. Um, so in terms of route running and getting off of his coverage. So if he lands there, um, I mean, he's got to shoot up to top three for me. Yeah, I actually like Dylan. Um, I think Dylan's more of a, t- a two back thumper. So, uh, you know, a two down thumper. So I would look at a place like um, the Chargers. I mean, I think that Austin Eckler is obviously very good. Um, but uh, if we're talking best case scenario, you're looking for a spot that he doesn't have to necessarily become uh, a full three down back. They can just use him on the first and second downs. Um, you know, I think the Chargers make a lot of sense for him. Um, the other running back, you know, obviously Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I, I think that he could be very, uh, very useful in any any spot that needs a pass-catching running back. Um, but really, I think he's going to end up being in a committee somewhere, which is a shame because I think um, if given the opportunity, he could be very, very productive as a three-down back too. Um, Josh Kelly is a guy we haven't really talked about a whole lot yet, but I mean, to me, he's kind of at the mercy of his draft position. He's probably not going until the, you know, fourth round at the earliest. That's if a team really falls in love with him. Um, but what Josh Kelly did at UCLA was, was very effective, um, both in the, on the running, in the running side of things and, um, from a pass catching perspective. So I could see a team like the Rams who just lost, um, you know, who just basically, uh, let Todd Gurley go being a team that maybe needs some running back depth that could be a great landing spot for a guy like Josh Kelly, because I think he could potentially uh, do what he did when he was coming out of Juco and just show up and basically show that he's the man um, and win a starting spot, which is, which is really, if you're getting drafted in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, that's all you really can hope for is that you get a chance to at least compete. Um, You know, I think, especially in the, at the later rounds, somebody I think in this draft is going to end up behind Christian McCaffrey do not draft that guy in rookie drafts. That dude is not going to be useful. It doesn't matter how much you love him. I don't care if it's, you know, any of the dudes we've mentioned, Zach Moss, uh, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn. These are all running backs that I think could fall in a spot where maybe they end up in Carolina. And that's just not good process to take a guy behind behind a Christian McCaffrey. So um, as far as the wide receivers, anywhere they can get a, a chance to be dynamic uh, to be used all over the field um, is really best case scenario. Um, yeah. I, 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 one of the interesting thoughts that I've had with some of these or with at least Chenault and Bowden is what if they land in like a Mike McCarthy led offense where, I mean, they do have Tavon Austin there, but we saw Mike McCarthy use Randall Cobb all over the field. I mean, in the backfield as, as a, uh, outside receiver as an inside receiver. And I mean, if somebody like LaVisca Chenault landed in that area, I, that could very easily become a Green Bay Packers of like 2008 to 2015 or whatever, where they had three, they were three deep at wide receiver and they had Eddie Lacy as a, as a bruiser back that could catch the ball. Um, so that would be an interesting spot for me if somebody like LaVisca Chanel or Lynn, Lynn Bowden landed in, in a Mike McCarthy-led offense. Um, I might be learning about Lynn Bowden Jr. for the first time here. Um, I, I don't know if I'm the only one. Uh, maybe maybe we've got some listeners who are also learning something, but 
I have a feeling that I'm so far behind everybody else. <laughs> like just our listeners honest. could probably just like take my place right at the moment in this particular conversation. But like that, a fun one would be like, I mean, get Bowden and, uh, and Jalen hurts like in on the same offense and just go full on gadget. Why not just send them to the dolphins and just go back to that? You know what was what 2008 or whatever wildcat. the wildcat stuff? Yeah, just gimmicky as hell. And I mean, very very easily, Jalen Hurts could become um, Taysom Hill. That's I mean, that's very much in the cards for him. I I think he has enormous uh, potential um, as a starting quarterback that could lead a team, but he could very easily land in a gadget type of role that he like plays Taysom Hill where. I mean, he's not as big as Taysom Hill, but he's he's fast and he can throw the ball. Yes. Um, let's talk about some landing spots then. Uh, the top six player enhancing landing spots. So some places where, um, you know, where some of these rookies, if they if, whoever goes to these situations, they're probably going to get a value boost. Um, they're probably going to uh, to get a bigger role uh, than than, you know, uh, than expected for sure. So um, let's talk about the top six uh, player enhancing landing spots. Um, I mean, well, again, doesn't matter what the top here, which one is number one, but um, chargers at quarterback. I mean, obviously with uh, was it Easton stick? <laughs> yeah. Easton stick. And uh, Tyrod Taylor, there's not – sorry, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod. There's not much in terms of uh, ahead of a quarterback that lands there. I mean, very easily you could see Justin Herbert becoming the starter right away over Tyrod. I think there's three probably NFL-ready quarterbacks at this point. I mean, that's uh, Burrow to a – to a tie of Tungo Vailoa. Oh my gosh, you're killing me. Tungo Vailoa. That's fine. Yep. Tua Tung Vailoa. Um, this is this has been Ethan's probably his biggest crusade of this entire offseason. I will teach the whole world how to say this last name correctly because <laughs> um, it's not that hard. Don't ask Tung me Vailoa. to say his first name though. Tungo Vailoa. I got it. It's fine. And then. Um, <laughs> Justin Herbert. I think those three are the three NFL-ready quarterbacks. And so if Justin Herbert lands in San Diego, I very easily could see him San Diego? Sorry, Los Angeles. (laughs) Just give me a hard time. I do that all the time. Um, Listen, I've I've been a Broncos fan for so long that, like, I can remember Seattle being in the AFC West, okay? So sometimes the the pass creeps in um but if he lands if he lands with the chargers he very easily could become a starter there um really any quarterback that are picked in day one or day two by by los angeles could very easily become the starter and even like jake Fromm could become a starter there which a lot of people don't like um but he's kind of an alex smith type character and looking at that defense and the offensive weapons they have, he very easily could be a starting quarterback for the Chargers. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the quarterbacks uh, landing spots here. I'm going to go New Orleans, and this is one that I think, uh, you know, on the surface, 
you could say, well, that's not really super enticing because Drew Brees is there for this year. You know, I kind of want a guy that's going to start immediately. But to me, I think if, especially if they go early um, with either their first or second round pick, um, you're basically saying, you know, we think this guy could be the heir apparent to Drew Brees. Uh, that is a, an offense that has weapons, um, could potentially add another weapon um, at wide receiver in this draft. And so um, you're, you're looking at, you know, Brees is not the, you know, we saw it last year, you know, Brees did get hurt. Uh, typically he's pretty healthy, but, uh, you know, he's getting up there in age. And when you get these older quarterbacks, they are a little bit more susceptible to getting bumped up, bruised. So it's not like they won't, there's a guarantee that they're not going to give you anything the first year. Um, but I think that, you know, a guy like Jordan Love looks a lot better if he gets to sit behind a Drew Brees for a year. Um, you know, he's someone that has tools. And even though some people like him, some people don't, um, if he can mold into that offense, at least he's going to have a good chance at succeeding. So, um, you know, a guy like Jacob Eason, a guy like Jalen Hurts, these are all people that, you know, potentially New Orleans could could draft that could all benefit from a, a year behind Drew Brees or maybe two years. Who knows how long he wants to keep playing? I I personally think he's going to keep playing as long as Tom Brady is playing, so they they can duke it out for that uh, that career touchdown record. Um, but I mean, still, I think that you know if they invest the draft capital in those guys, you know, it's it's a pretty enticing spot. It could turn a not so great uh, quarterback option into somebody that I'm you know probably considering in most rookie drafts. Right, I mean, I, and I, you already brought it up, but the fact that Teddy Bridgewater was able to maintain, or first off, gain traction again after well, he was on the Jets, right? Um, after he was was on the Jets, he was on the Vikings when he got hurt. When he went to the Jets, yeah. I believe, but for him to gain traction and get significant value after that injury because he went to new Orleans and then maintain that value after drew Brees re-signed. It should tell you exactly how people feel about that new Orleans situation. And they're set up to be pretty good for, I mean, the near future once, once drew Brees gets off the books. So uh, I think anybody that's, I mean, we know Taysom Hill isn't probably the guy. So anybody that's picked, let's, in this in in this draft could very easily become the next starter for New Orleans. I mean, we'll see, but could become the next starter for New Orleans. Um, I mean, we could go to the obvious ones here: Tampa Bay at running back. I already talked about why. Cl- if if Clyde Edwards Hilaire landed in Tampa Bay, I would feel fantastic about putting him probably ahead of Hakers, and maybe ahead of one of the top three that doesn't land in a good spot. Um. But yeah, I mean Tampa Bay is a very obvious answer here. They don't they have Ronald Jones who has who had a he had a decent season last year, but he's nowhere near uh I guess camp battle proof. He's nowhere he's not like firmly a set the top of that roster or that uh, depth chart. So I mean if AJ Dillon lands there, I feel pretty good about him. It if Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins lands there they could very easily be RB1 in this class. Plus, we know that Bruce Arians uses pass-catching running backs, so you have to think that they're going to get some targets there and they're going to be pretty valuable right away. 
Yeah, I agree. I think uh, a similar situation is, is obviously Kansas City and their running back room. Uh, you know, they've got a, a guy there in Damian Williams that I think, you know, like you mentioned with Rojo, not camp proof uh, by any stretch. I mean, uh, if one of these running backs lands there, that's a really good offense to be in. And it's not going to take a ton to convince a team to um, at least start giving them touches. And then it's all about, you know, who produces more with the touches they're given. Um, a guy like Cam Akers with his athleticism obviously would be a great choice. But I think a guy like J.K. Dobbins, maybe somebody that, you know, obviously we don't know how great of an athlete he is, but he was a pretty darn good athlete coming out of high school. Um, typically, players don't get less athletic as they get older, um, at least not from 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 high school through three years of college. Um, maybe he's a little bit thicker, so he's not quite as fast. That's why he didn't run. I don't know what the reason it was for him basically taking the combine off, but, you know, Dobbins in Kansas city looks like, you know, that's somebody that I think could get a, you know, a top three, uh, rookie draft pick hype going towards them, especially if Jonathan Taylor ends up somewhere that, you know, maybe isn't going to be the best situation where he's not going to get uh, bell cow touches. Um, you know, if, if, um, you know, if Swift ends up in a spot that maybe isn't the greatest, um, you know, Dobbins could be a guy that I think could be pushed up just from opportunity uh, if he ends in Kansas City. What do you guys think about that? I mean, uh, I know that Damian Williams has a few people that are still gung ho for him, but I mean, do you think that, you know, either I'm assuming it's either, I mean, Kansas City, realistically, Kansas City could get any of these running backs in the first round if they wanted to. They're at the end of the first. They're a good team. This running back is a luxury pick in the first round for most teams anyway. Um, I mean, what do you think about them potentially getting even a guy like Swift or Taylor? Is that, I mean, do they push for 101 contention there, even in Superflex? I don't think so, man. I all right, time for me to wake up and uh, and get involved in this a little bit. Um, I'm gonna piss people off with my with my top six, so I might as well just get started a little bit early here. First of all, I'm not so sure that the Chiefs even draft a running back. Uh, I mean, they just signed DeAndre Washington. It's it's just such a crowded running back room right now, anyways. And second, because of that. I don't think it's such a good landing spot. I really don't. I like I don't I don't I don't buy into. It. I think it's going to be a pretty heavy committee. I think it's going to be a uh you know they're probably going to you know pretty consistently use three backs. Like that's it, that's that's kind of what I see coming and I I just want nothing to do with it. I got to be honest. I that's a situation though where if they land Dobbins, Swift, Taylor, even Taylor. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, AJ Dillon, like those guys. Those guys can solve it. Taylor. No, no, no. I'm saying that those guys, there's nobody on this depth chart that is better than those three or four, maybe even five. Really? Really? Damian. Who do you, I mean, who do you, I, I, I think Damian Williams is great, but you, can you honestly tell me that you think Damian Williams is better than any of Akers? Uh, Swift, Taylor, Dobbins, maybe even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Can you can you at, honestly say that to me? I think I think that Taylor consolidates this. Um, I mean, I told you the other day on our other podcast that I don't I don't see it with Swift. I don't I don't see him as a as a bell cow back. I, I don't think that they would. Um, I don't, I don't think they're going to take Damian Williams off the off the field completely for for DeAndre Swift. for for the first year. Maybe not. But 
I mean, after that, Damian Williams' contract is up after this. Yeah. There's nobody else on that that depth chart that demands touches. Right. And then you've got a pretty big free agent class coming up. Um, you know, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. Now, now mind you, I, I'm not saying that they will take a running back, but if a running back were to land there, that mm-hmm. means that they are looking probably towards the future because Damien, like I was said, Damien Williams, what he'll be 28 and his contracts up again. Nobody. I mean, Darwin Thompson's not the guy. Daryl Williams. Isn't the guy. Deandre yeah. Washington. Isn't the guy, even though Deandre Washington has a decent skill set, he's not going to be the guy. So if I, if one of these top four or five running backs lands there, you have to feel pretty good about the future of that player. I mean, so the problem is, and, and we've seen this play out already, is the fact that, I mean, you you don't really draft running backs to to sit on the bench and and you know groom them for a year or whatever. First of all, it's not a difficult position to learn. Like it's it's the easiest position to just throw somebody out there, and you know they the the blocking assignments is is easily the toughest part and they still pick it up pretty quickly the other thing is you've got a four-year window with these guys because there's absolutely no reason to give them a contract once that rookie deal expires so if you if you take a running back it's with the the idea of you're getting him out there right away i i mean i understand that but you're not going to you're not going to drop a talent like that down that far. Even if they do land in a bad spot, I don't think Kansas city is a bad spot by any means. Mm-hmm. We are playing dynasty. After all, we're talking about well, largely dynasty. Yeah. And with these rookies, we're talking about, okay, well maybe they don't get 300 touches their first year, but they very easily could do it in the second year, especially in Kansas city. Mm, uh, yeah, I don't. I and don't if know, you're man, re- hold on, if you're relying on these running backs in mm-hmm. this class to lead you to a championship, that you badly you better, miscalculated. <laughs> you better be hoping yeah. Jonathan Taylor ends up in a primo spot where he can also somehow catch forty passes for you too. Because yeah, I don't see any way that any of these dudes. I mean, the hype is unreal with these rookies anyway, but with what could potentially be in a preseason that is shortened or possibly non-existent. Um, this is, this is not the greatest year to like be relying on rookies in your dynasty leagues. I mean, it really isn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true that. And that's, man, that's going to piss people off even more than what I'm about to say. But um, I mean, if you guys have anything you want to add on, on these uh, landing spots, um, if not, I'm going to get to, but uh, we let's go over the last two that we have here. Oh yeah. Um, we missed two of them. Pat Packers wide receiver. Obviously they did. They did sign Devin Funches. So, uh, it'll be tough to, it'll <laughs> be you, tough to beat him out. Did you say um, Alan Lazard? Uh, yeah. Kidding. I mean, we, we have Alan, we have, we have Devonte Adams and then a bunch of, it's amazing how much of fun. a type. <laughs> the the Packers have a type of wide receiver, like yeah. super yeah. huge, maybe athletic, and, and but probably not. <laughs> like there's, they've got like six different wide receivers that are like six four or taller. It's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest makeup of wide. One year they drafted like three different dudes that were all just huge, and 
maybe some of them were like decently fast for their size. Denzel Mims is going to end up on the Packers. That's just, that's just, let's just, <laughs> you're, gonna, you're going to, let's just call it spade a spade here. If he goes in the first, Denzel two Mims if, rolls into the Packers, he's going to be like every other pick that they've made for the last three years at wide receiver. Better not big be fast. stuff out loud to people, bro. Denzel Mims is like, a lot of people's favorite wide receiver in this class. It's Twitter I mean, darling. I'm not on Denzel yeah, Mims. Yeah. I'm just saying he fits the mold of what the Packers love to draft at wide receiver. I mean, he is, you know, uh, Equinemia St. Brown's like 6'3 and fast. Uh, Marquez Valdez Santing, Scantling's like 6'5 and fast. Uh, Devin Funches is like 6'4 and pretty slow. Uh, you know, Alan Lazard is like 6'8 and not, I don't even know if he can run, but he, Obviously, Aaron Rodgers likes him. So, I mean, they have a type. That's what I'm saying. They have. Oh, a no, no, I agree. Like the, um, which is the stupid big thing because they would be better off with these short, fast, wide receivers. But they don't. They yeah. don't like them. So Denzel Mims, he's the guy. Like, if you want so tall and fast. Their their other wide receiver type though is fourth round or later. That that's that's kind of been the big thing. Is like, you know, what's what's the most. Uh, you know, prototypical wide receiver kind of template that we can get in the fourth round and beyond. Like that's always been the goal. I would love yeah. to see them. I don't even care about the, the, you know, the, the, the frame or the, the skill set, any of that. I I'll take any of them, but just spend a first round pick for once, please. So I'll say this for the Packers wide receiver. I don't necessarily know if it is a good spot landing spot, especially where that team is in like how they're built right now. Um, because I mean, before with like Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, before he started to de decline. Um, yeah, that was a shot at you, by the way. I needed <laughs> you. I wanted you to react. Uh, but um, before before this offense changed up, yes, I mean Rodgers and McCarthy could support two top twenty four wide receivers, um, and even even top twelve wide receivers. But now it's a little iffy. Now perceived value for Packers wide receiver in terms of landing spot, sure. I mean, I, I think any. I mean, we saw what uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, Equinemia St. Brown, and who's the third one? Alan Lazard. And Jake Kumaro and Jake Kumaro. Oh, Jamon Moore. That's yeah, Jamon Moore. Oh, that was Jamon Moore was the first one. He was the first one to be taken. Uh, but yeah. I mean, I remember yeah. in 2018 when those three were taken, it was a gigantic argument who's going to be the wide receiver two there. None of them panned <laughs> out. Literally, none of them, but all three of those guys didn't pan out. Kumaro didn't pan out. Lazar didn't pan out after being picked up after he was, I don't know, whatever. Not a but, cut somewhere. But um, so perceived value, sure. I, I I think that the value of a player will jump if he goes, if he's the first wide receiver to be taken by Green Bay. In terms of actual real value, I don't know if it's necessarily a big bump. You don't think that you don't think a first round wide receiver, especially in this class, well, as deep as it is, can consolidate everything. That all of those guys did into into one guy and get top twenty four value. I, no, no, no. I'm saying that he their top like, twenty four production. I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I just don't know because we we saw 
that Rodgers, I mean, they didn't throw as much as they had previously. Actually, they threw a decent amount. I mean, Rodgers, I know you don't want to hear this, but is in decline and you'll argue it till you're yeah, blue in the I face. Would, but I would argue that. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if the, the production is there for the taking, I guess, because yeah. it seems like this team wants to run the ball more. Um, but I guess we'll see what year two brings with, with um, this offense. Yeah. You and I have squared up on that one plenty, and and we've got time to to do it again throughout the off season. So, um, I'll just let you have your moment for now. Hey, thanks. <laughs> uh, last one was the Philly wide receiver uh, combo, which this is this makes perfect sense because the Philly has no wide receivers, so I don't really think we have to talk about <laughs> this very much. It's um, a free- any wide receiver that ends up there could potentially be the number one wide receiver on that team. So. Um, and they have a decent quarterback. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. That's pretty enticing. And they agree with that, by the way. There's a rumor right now that they're aggressively trying to move up in the first round to get C.D. Lamb. What they should have done is tried to trade for Stephon Diggs. But yeah, that's or not my The correct move was to trade for DeAndre Hopkins because he was free. Apparently. <laughs> Here, we'll give you the expired contract of Jordan Howard and a second-round pick. Yeah. And a um, bag of peanuts. Yeah, there you go. And that's that's on top of that's you better than that. First, <laughs> you add your first. You better you, you better put some re- <laughs> take a hit and you, we will give you Alshon Jeffrey. You better put some respect yeah. on my guy JJ Arcega Whiteside. Or sorry, Arcega Arcega Whiteside. Arcega Whiteside. <laughs> um no, he's a, year, I have, he's a year two guy I'm buying. That's okay. I think yeah. every wide receiver rookie wide receiver for the most part that didn't break out is probably uh, probably a decent buy right now. Paris Campbell, uh, Jalen Hurd's a dude that I, I seem to be getting for free right now. Uh, Preston Williams is a guy I get basically, you know, I mean, he's a little bit more expensive, but still decently priced, especially as to rookie draft. It's a good time to buy those, those wide receivers that didn't necessarily break out as rookies. Nikhil Harry. Oh goodness gracious. You can get Nikhil Harry for like a mid second right now in some leagues. It's ridiculous how quickly people forget yeah. that he was a first round pick. Um, but he is, I mean, I've gotten him all over the place just because why not? He was, I mean, he had all the tools coming out. It's just yeah. amazing. But yeah, uh, wide receiver that ends up in Philly is going to be a good place to be. Um, I mean, there's some other landing spots we could have talked about. New England, New England and quarterback. I mean, obviously Stidham and Hoyer don't pose much of a threat um, to a, let's say, a day two or day one quarterback. Um, I, one one interesting spot is wide receiver in Denver. I know if it's a Jerry Judy, CD Lamb type, it's. I don't I don't know how good it is for fantasy. If it's like a Henry Ruggs type. I love that a lot. I mean, I, I as a Broncos fan, I love any of those <laughs> top yeah. wide receivers. But what they f- – and mind you, not a GM, not a <laughs> scout or anything, but what I feel they need as a Denver Broncos fan is an outside receiver that can take the top off the defense across. And if Henry Ruggs lands there with Drew Locke in his arm, I think Henry, Henry Ruggs should see a boost too. Yeah. Um, you guys want to hear my uh, my contribution to the rookie discussion? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, here we go. The top six 
rookie picks that are overvalued. 1.01, There's a theme here, right? So I'm just going to skip ahead for my last 301 this year (laughs) is so overvalued. No, sorry. Probably. Uh, It probably is. Hit me with this spiel because I'm just, I'm I'm probably completely in agreement (laughs) with this. I can already see where you're going. I, I am going to skip ahead from 104 all the way up to 110, and I'll give my reason here in just a second. And then the number six uh, rookie picks that are overvalued is all of 2021. We're already there. So um, so in, in a lot of this is actually based on trade polls that I've seen on Twitter. Some of them I've actually been tagged in. Um, for instance, 1.01 for Devontae Adams. And Adams is just barely winning that thing. Uh, 1.02 for Carson Wentz. Um, uh, I don't remember 103 and 104. I had some for those two. Uh, 103, it was like Beckham, I think. Um, 110 was for Drew Locke. And 110 is winning. Uh, and then all the twenty. Yeah. Yeah, and and I had people <laughs> brain just exploded in super flex. What? Yeah. yeah, and and not only that. I mean, so my argument was you don't give up an established player for a a, a draft pick, a late first round draft pick with such a, a low hit rate. And and the argument against me was that he's not established. What I mean, no, you don't. You don't hold on. You don't make a top end trade like that. Like, for I mean, for that Devontae Adams 1.01, I need 1.01 and then like correct another wide receiver, yeah, an actual player in return. Yeah, that's why Um, I mean, 1.02 and Wentz. Wentz is, I mean, isn't everybody's top 10 in super flex? Are you kidding me? Oh yeah. my gosh. I just had a huge debate with somebody over this. Like if but, you have a top 10 quarterback in Superflex and you are willing to trade them for the 102 and even a 2021 first on top of it, you I, are an idiot, I think. That well, I mean this top 10 quarterback. Yeah. All right. Top, uh, I'm not saying any quarterback, but I'm saying top 10 quarterback. But even I would think that any quarterback that had like like John said is established as the starter and has no like threat to them as the starter in the near future is worth more than a first. I now, mean, I, which, I would, which 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 first? But like Drew Lock for one ten, like Drew Lock for me is worth probably, I mean one point oh three at the very least. Yeah. I would probably, it depends on, it depends on what you have at at every, it always depends when it comes to trading. To me, if Drew Locke's your third quarterback and you really need a wide receiver or you really need a running back and DeAndre Swift sitting there at three and he ended up in Kansas city or he ended up somewhere in Tampa, like, yeah, okay. That makes sense to me because it's a need for your team. But if it's, but but we're not, no, but now, now we're talking about, now we're talking about putting a player to the number. And that's that's wholly different than just that. Like, yes, okay, DeAndre Swift lands in Tampa Bay 100%. If you are fine at quarterback, and even if you aren't, like even if you have only three starters, I could see trading Drew Locke for like DeAndre Swift there. I know John will argue with it. I don't think it's that far-fetched, though. 
Yeah, that's fine. But when you're talking about 1.03 or 1.02, just the pick, then you, I mean, he, Drew Locke is, is the starter for Denver in a relatively high powered offense in my mind with Gordon, Lindsay, Sutton, Fant, and then another wide receiver likely from this draft, their offensive line got better or will be better. The fact that you can't that you would trade away to 110, maybe okay, maybe maybe there's a line where it's like, okay, I understand if it's one of the top three running backs and one of the top two quarterbacks. So let's say 1.06 is the lowest I will ever go with somebody like Drew Locke, who is yes, still young. And yes, you can get an impact player right away, but that's it. Like 110 to me is means really nothing in this draft class. I mean, to me, I think Drew Locke especially is what you hope that ju- you hope that Justin Herbert can show you what Drew Locke showed you at the end of last year. Right. Well, right. So what I'm saying though is like if it's Tua it's total crapshoot. If mean, it's Tua and fr- and and Burrow, I see the ceilings for those two higher. I don't think that I don't know if this will happen, but I see their ceilings as potential ceilings is higher. Yes. I understand taking those two ahead of Drew Locke at this point, but Drew Locke was four and one as a rookie coming off of a wrist surgery. Like he's already shown he can be an NFL quarterback and be extremely productive as an NFL quarterback. Anybody beyond like, like I said, those top three running backs and those top two quarterbacks to me, that's batshit crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. That's just it for me. I mean, where are you going to find a situation like Drew Locke has? Joe Burrow, I think it's there. Like he's, you know, it's it's draft capital, it's talent, it's the situation he's walking into, that Zach Taylor offense with wide receivers everywhere and Joe Mixon to hand off to. Like that's that's the type of situation that, you know, you could you could conceivably see that one uh, being better than Drew Locke. But beyond that, I mean, yeah, Tua's got the higher ceiling. But you don't get him for a year, most likely. Like, I mean, kind of probably same thing with Herbert, most likely. I don't know. I don't. And still, those guys are going to go top half of the first round in Superflex rookie drafts. I don't know what you're going to get at 110. It comes even anywhere close to the situation that you've got right now with Drew Locke. As far as unopposed starter with elite weapons. It's a goddamn... the. All you have to say is unopposed starter. Like, I don't even care yeah. about the weapons. The guy is a starting quarterback in the NFL and yeah. has established himself already as a starting quarterback for at least his rookie contract. Right. Yep. What do you, I like you said, what are you going to get at 110 that you, yeah. you think that you, you think can possibly match Drew Locke already? That's, right. that's ridiculous to me. I mean, I think there are 20 quarterbacks that are probably worth at least a first round pick now where that first round pick lies obviously depends but i mean drew Locke is worth well more than 110 carson wentz is worth well more than 1.02 yep i i I swear to god people still don't understand (laughs) how super flex works it's also (laughs) uh, on on twitter i compared this to i said the nfl draft is a full moon and these rookie pick uh, owners of rookie picks are the freaking werewolves. 
that before they started growing fangs, they would not have made this trade. But right now we're at the absolute peak of rookie fever. We've got a full moon right now. They're, they're just, and that's the thing. Like this is, here's the bottom line is what champions are doing right now. What dynasty league champions are doing right now is selling rookie, rookie picks, not buying them. The price on them is just absolutely ridiculous. Now's the time to sell because I'll, I'm going to tell you what, too. A week from now, those prices are going to absolute, absolutely plummet. Right now, it's all abstract. It's all, you know, Justin Herbert and is going to land in the perfect situation. All these guys are going to land in the absolutely perfect situation. And what, what ends up happening every single year is roughly half of them land in absolute garbage situations. Some of them land in pretty good situations. Like 101 is going to mostly hold its value just because, you know, if it, if John, even if Jonathan Taylor doesn't go to a great situation, you, you know, that Joe Burrow is going to be in, in a, a, about as good a situation as possible for a rookie quarterback. So, you know, you can fall back on that. You've got that safety net. Every one of these picks, otherwise, though, I mean, it's gonna get it's gonna get flipped on its ear. I guarantee it. We're gonna see some of these guys go to some absolute garbage situations, and we're gonna be like, "What the hell was that?" Jonathan Taylor go the goes to Dallas. Like, I mean, we're just gonna be we're just gonna be gobsmacked by that, and and that happens every single year. So, the last one for you guys, though, the the twenty twenty ones. I just, um. I, I'm just curious how what type of draft capital in 2021 would it take for you to trade Aaron Rodgers? And I I know that I'm walking into a minefield here, Stomp. I don't I mean, I don't love the draft class in 2021. The quarterback class is gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. Or at least the top two quarterbacks. I don't know about the rest of it. Yeah. Um I to me right now, like 2021 firsts are kind of almost throw-ins into like high-end throw-ins where it's yeah. like, okay, well, I need I'll need your 2020 first. Okay, well, then I'll give you my 2021 first if you give me your 2020 second or something like that. Or give me this player and I'll give you my 2021 first. Yeah. Like I just view them as throw-ins at this point. I yeah. I don't really think about those values until either I'm trying to evaluate a trade where I'm like, okay, if I give this guy for a 2021 first, could that like, I'm looking at somebody's lineup or or roster and saying, okay, this could be a high end 2021 first. And I could sell this guy for a first round pick. Who's probably worth like a back end 2020 first kind of thing. Or, or like I said, I just use them as kind of trade chips. Um, yeah. I always use future picks as trade chips. I just like this class was a little bit different. The 2017 class was a little bit different where that the the top end talent in those classes in these classes are are up there in terms of you want part of it. Um and I, I just don't get that vibe from 2021. So, and, and really, I mean, I'm all for selling 2020 picks. If I can get established starters at any position. Um, so you better be willing to part with those picks, but yeah, 2021 right now is just not, 
in the bat is not in my mind in terms of value. It's more of a, okay, well, I understand it's a first round pick, but I have no idea where we're going to finish what that class necessarily looks like. So I'll throw it in if they give me another player that I like. Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's a good point. Just the, the idea that um, 2021 picks should not be a centerpiece in a trade. I mean, it's certainly not for a starter. Um, and certainly not for a, an NFL starting quarterback. Uh, like, I mean, to me, it takes it takes a lot of draft capital to get Aaron Rodgers. And and the the truth is, Aaron Rodgers probably doesn't belong on a team that's committed to rebuilding in twenty twenty. But well, I would I would say like it to properly evaluate Aaron Rodgers, you have to look at twenty twenty value, not twenty twenty one. Right. Like if it was like, and this is I know. I'll ask Ethan this because I already know the answer to a lot of these <laughs> questions that I would ask. But let's just say somebody offers you 1.06 and a 2021, or let's say, yeah, 1.06 2021 first. Mm-hmm. Would you trade that or would you trade Aaron Rodgers for that, Ethan? Probably not. Um, because to me, one quarterbacks, uh, the, the way I look at it is essentially. I, I see I see 2021 picks the same way you do in terms of value right now. They're getting artificially inflated because it's draft season. Everybody wants picks. And if you want, you get more picks and if you, you know, you get a pick of a first this year and a first next year, but you lose a whole year that you could have Aaron Rodgers. So here I, I hate, this is a John, that is such a John Howard <laughs> way to look at this shit. Here's the problem. Right. Right. Yeah, right. right I apologize. <laughs> I look, I'm, you can hate it all you want, but here's the facts. Like you trade a player right now for a pick. You're not going to see for a year. You lose an entire year that you could use that player. And yep. so, yes, if I'm, if I'm on a team that I know is not necessarily going to win this year and maybe I'm, you know, I'm kind of stuck in the middle and, you know, is it a good time to sell Aaron Rodgers? to me? Yes. If somebody gives me 106 in a first next year for Rodgers and I'm in that situation where I'm, you know, probably not going to compete for a championship this year, but maybe, you know, with a good pick this year and a good pick next year, like next year, I could potentially be, you know, a, a top three team in the league. Okay. Yeah. Then that would make more sense to me. But if, if I'm anywhere close, like if I'm in the top five teams right now and I have Aaron Rodgers, he's worth more to me on my team this year than he is for a 106 and a and a player next year. So what if you can guarantee though? And I know you can't guarantee where where guys are going to land before the draft whatever. But what if you can guarantee it's one of it'll probably be one of Herbert or Jordan Love and then you get a 2021 first. No way. Well, not because I here's here's what I think the better hypothetical is. It's a casual league. It's super flex. I'm in a few of these leagues. I got a home league that's this way. I think that I have the 106. I think that there is a non-zero chance that a guy like Tua Tungavailoa falls to me. Okay. So what if here's that why? So if that in that case, yeah, give me freaking Tua, um, and, and a then 2021 give me first. and a 2021 first, absolutely. But you don't make that trade until Tua is sitting there at 106, and you go, okay. you know what? I think this dude might need a quarterback. Maybe he thinks he's competing or maybe he wants to compete this year. Two is probably not going to help you this year, but Aaron Rodgers definitely would. To me, I'm going to take the bet. I'm going to take the younger dude 
probably eight out of ten times because I think Tua's upside is, you know, a, a top ten quarterback because I think talent wise he's there. You know, he could get there quickly, um, but maybe he doesn't. You know, immediately start because of this injury. I I think he's going to end up playing and starting wherever he goes. Um, so I am valuing him like he's going to basically walk in week one and be a starter. So should he fall to six? Probably not. But guess what? People are going to live off the, especially in more casual leagues and in industry leagues. Just forget it. Just throw everything out the window. Industry leagues, they 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 think they know everything. So you're going to two is going to go in the top three picks. That's fine. But in a casual league, like what most people who probably listen to this show are in, Tua could definitely fall to 106, you know, or Dobbins falls to 106 or CD Lamb. I mean, CD Lamb, if if you're a league that loves running backs, CD Lamb easily gets to 106. Most oh, he, I, I think he I mean, I think he, I think he's going to I would willing to bet probably 40 percent of leagues. CD Lamb is sitting at the 106. That's a I, great piece to work around. So, yeah. well, and that's I, that's I my think, point though. Is in superflex, you're likely going two, two running backs, two quarterbacks, and then either another running back or another wide receiver. Yeah, or wide receiver. So that's my yeah. thing. Is like this class in superflex probably runs seven deep for me, where I feel comfortable. Um, maybe maybe nine with the two the two top wide receivers but so with this class 1.06 into 2020 first 2021 first for me is plenty for Aaron Rodgers of course I don't hold Aaron Rodgers in as high regard as John John here so it's going to take more but it it's a val- like get back to the question though it, it's a valuable 2021 firsts are a valuable throw-in, I suppose. So it, it ratchets up the va- the value a little bit of the trade, but I'm not too worried exactly what that value is. I mean, oh. to me, this this time of year, I'm if you're trading me picks, I'm immediately trying to downplay their value because ultimately we know what Aaron Rodgers is. Even if you don't love him as a dynasty asset, you know what he is. To me, I'm looking at that and I'm going, okay, two first for Aaron Rodgers. Would I take this right in the middle of the season? You know, would I have taken this same deal right in the middle of the season? Would I take two first for Aaron Rodgers? No, probably not. I mean, we're seeing top 12 quarterbacks going for two first plus, you know, a player or plus a pick, you know, if it's, it, it, I would probably retort back at you if you came to me with that offer. I'd be like, all right, throw, you know, throw a second rounder in there, throw Will Fuller in there, throw somebody that maybe doesn't have a ton of value to you right now. The guys we mentioned earlier, Nikhil Harry, Paris Campbell, um, you know, some of these players that maybe, you know, if you like JJR Sega Whiteside, throw him in there on top of those two first. And then I think we have a closer conversation. Um, but, but I think that you can't selling veterans right now is a losing game because you're you're selling them basically to an inflated dollar i mean the rookie picks change in value quickly and so it's not a good time to sell veterans right now because you're going to probably take a discount to sell them because you're paying a premium to get the picks yeah i the i mean the other problem there is you trade Aaron Rodgers and you're you're whoever you send him to 
it's just going to make that 2021st later. Like you're, you're turning a random 2021st into probably a late 2021 first, like, um, you know, so, so I, I don't know, real talk real quick, I guess, uh, in that scenario where Tua falls to 106, I mean, you're doing 106 for Rogers straight up, right? Like the 2021st, that doesn't even really move the needle. I, it's nice to get that throw in, but I mean, aren't you taking Tua straight up over Aaron Rodgers if if you don't have any plans to compete in 2021 or in 2020, which is the reason that you're willing to trade Aaron Rodgers? Mm. <laughs> you hold really? on there. <laughs> really? I mean, again, I think you're paying a premium. <laughs> like, why would you sell if you're, I mean, I guess if you could. No, I would I, hold on. I would buy. I would buy Tua for Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it's necessarily just a rebuild move, though. Oh, so you I just, just told you, you found a I, way to be a dick about it. I see. no. I mean, I yeah. just told you. No, no. I'm, I I am a dick though. Well, that's true. But I just told you. I think he's going to start this year. Well, and that's fine. I mean, for me, even if he's not a starter, his ceiling is so tremendously high as a starting quarterback in the NFL. That, I mean, again, it's how you view Aaron Rodgers. I view him as a declining asset right now. His value is obviously going to decline, but I view him as a declining asset in terms of his production, where I don't think he's going to be a QB1 next season. So I'm willing to trade him before that happens for Tua, and then you probably can get a little more on him, but on top of that, but for Tua straight up. Because I, if you're trading Aaron Rodgers, you likely have two other QBs that you're you're um, okay with. Uh, so if you're trading Aaron Rodgers, you're okay with sitting Tua probably because you have other quarterbacks on your roster that you can start to me. So you're not necessarily don't care if he's going to be a starter or not in year one. But that's because I view Aaron Rodgers differently than a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't know, maybe you have a crush on Danica Patrick, maybe someone that looks like Aaron Rodgers, like sucker punched you somewhere along the line or something I, like this. I this like, is clearly personal. Well, my girl, my girlfriend does say she would leave me for Aaron Rodgers. There it is. Okay. All right. So yes. uh, it's super personal because as I'm not... long as as long as we get to the bottom of it, that's all I care about. <laughs> oh, I hate you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so let's so now that we're now that we figured that part out, let's let's just get to our last uh, our, our the second half of our super six here. Um, you guys, uh, you guys have base. I mean, you, you've got the same list here, but I'll let you guys both run through your list individually. Uh, the the top six NFL games to rewatch during the quarantine, and I'll let you guys uh, give the context behind that as well. All right, I'll roll with my six quickly here. Um, first game, I think you got to go with a, a, the barn burner. Um, Kansas City nine and one against the Rams nine and one in twenty eighteen. That was the fifty one fifty four Monday Night Football game. Um, you know, highest scoring Monday Night Football game of all time. Uh, the, just for some extra bonus content, you know, it was the first time that these teams met 
um, after the Rams moved out of Missouri. So they used to be, you know, basically right down the road from each other. Um, and now, of course, you know, uh, the Rams left and then they they just absolutely shot out. I remember watching this game live and just thinking that it was like the most ridiculous football game that I'd ever watched. Um, just from a pure just scoring perspective, it just seemed like every play something crazy was happening. So um, defensive scores, I mean, offensive scores, the thing was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, next game, uh, a Steelers fan here. So I got to go Super Bowl 43, Steelers and Cardinals. You got peak Larry Fitzgerald. You got peak Big Ben, um, you know, late game winning drives. It's the Super Bowl. Like, come on here. Like this is this is just textbook football watching here. Um, I'm going to go to 2010, the NFC wildcard game, Seahawks in New Orleans. This is Marshawn Beast Mode game where he busts out that 64-yard run to win the game. Um, you can probably visualize that run as I say it to you, but, um, you know, obviously a very exciting game, 41-36 um, there for the Seahawks. So uh, in that last three here, we got 2012, the AFC divisional round. Um, you got the Ravens. Uh, outlasting the Broncos 38 to 35 Joe Flacco dueling it out with Peyton Manning here. Um, this one went into double overtime, which is pretty sweet. I know uh, probably a, a bitter taste in Stompy's mouth with this, but yeah, I'm, I'm editing that one out by the way. So come up why? with another one. <laughs> Cause he's a Broncos fan too. Oh, yeah. well that's good. Okay. Definitely watch that 2012 AFC divisional oh, round. Nope. Um, <laughs> Double overtime, Joe Flacco just absolutely doing what the best of them. Um, you know, then we go to 2013. You got the you got Colts Chiefs uh, in the wild card round. Colts. Um, this was this was a you know an, an excellent game, uh, 45 to 44. So uh, definitely go check that one out. It was a lot of fun. Uh, if you can't tell, I like it when teams score a lot. That's the kind of football I like to watch. Defense is overrated. Um, Last one, uh, this is another homer pick here, but week eight in 2014, uh, the Steelers with Big Ben going up against Andrew Luck's Colts. Uh, the Steelers did win that that bad boy 51-34, to 34, so definitely check that game out. It's a lot of fun to see Big Ben just slinging it all over the place. Andrew Luck uh, ascending at that point as a quarterback. Um, good to see him just – I mean, they they, dueled, they duked it out for a while, and then obviously Big Ben kind of took over with a couple more touchdowns to end the game, but um, definitely watch that one as well. Um, all these games are just incredible games to visually watch. Even if you're watching them back, you know the outcome doesn't matter uh, just from an entertainment perspective. Uh, I think that these are all games that I would I would watch again in a heartbeat. The uh, – that, that – Steelers Cardinals Super Bowl that one like there's there's so many iconic moments from that one that you got the San Antonio Holmes toe tap and was it Harrison that, that returned the fumble and uh oh, yeah yeah yes like a 90 I think it, it might have been an interception but it was like a 93 yarder to, yeah. to in the half like yeah absolutely what? ridiculous uh play one of my one of my all-time favorite Super Bowl moments though was Larry Fitzgerald watching himself score a touchdown on the jumper. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a, as a Steelers fan I was like crying because I'm like oh god we <laughs> we we've blown it right there because I think that was with like 2 minutes left in the game and they went they were we were we were blowing them out and then you know they basically rattled off 16 straight points um in that fourth quarter but you know, that's just an incredible game. I think that's when I kind of fell in love with the Steelers, uh, if I'm being totally honest. Um, but just a crazy game. Watching Larry Fitzgerald back then was just – he was unstoppable. Yeah. 
All right, my my game. So I'll I'll put a caveat on this. I am a Broncos fan. Uh, we, you guys know this. So is John. So a lot of these will be Broncos, or three of them are <laughs> uh, Broncos at Cowboys in 2013. Um, Peyton Manning versus Tony Romo ended up being 51 to 48 in overtime. I think a lot of people remember that game. That was another barn burner. And that was the game that Peyton had a naked bootleg (laughs) touchdown run that just juked everybody out of their minds. Nobody was expecting it. It was one, it's one of my favorite plays of all time because it was just such an unexpected and brilliant move. I love it. Like when the camera even misses it. Yeah. (laughs) And and the, the way Peyton runs, he runs on his toes and it's one of the funniest things to see. Um, next one, Steelers versus Broncos. I, I noticed Ethan muted himself because he's probably going to yell at me here. Steelers uh, at Broncos, that is. Um, 2011 playoffs, that was the Tim Tebow to uh, Demarius Thomas in overtime. I believe the first play of overtime for a touchdown. Um, just culminating that season or, or putting a great cap on that season that was – Tim Tebow as a starter. I, I know John, or for me personally, it was such a roller coaster because the first three quarters were just absolute trash from Tim Tebow. And the defense kept him in it. And then Tim Tebow would turn on all of his magic in the fourth. And they went like on a run to get into the playoffs, beat the Steelers in the overtime. It was such a fantastic season. Pretty sure that that game actually was just a, a bad memory that I had. I don't. <laughs> Actually, no. I I haven't seen any footage since then to confirm that that really happened. Oh, are we really doing this? You know, um, the 2013 Super Bowl didn't actually happen either. So we're just gonna just take that uh, for what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. This was a low point for me as a Steelers fan. Um, it was the first time I ever cursed in front of like a lot of people that I cared about um, that didn't know that I had a terrible sailor's mouth so um i think i i and of course it was like like a church function so that made it even worse because tim tebow is like the holy god of the church function yeah Um, but i think i threw some profanities at him um loud enough that everyone heard me say it so it was uh this was a very dark time for me as a as a football fan and also as a christian because (laughs) i'm you know i'm probably going to be sitting at the pearly gates and and you know uh, they're going to be they're going to be looking at me like, and I feel like they're going to just play this back. Like, do you remember that one time at youth group on Sunday when Tim <laughs> Tebow beat the, beat the Steelers and you called him a and then dropped like four f bombs at him because we remember. Uh, and then Tim Tebow is going to be like standing behind, like in the gates, just shaking his head, just like, I, why would you do this to me, man? Well, why would you do this to me? Yeah. And and I'm gonna be just crying uh, because I'm just it's a, I, it's a bad time. Okay, it's a bad time for me. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, and then on to two um, Vikings and Saints game or Vikings versus Saints games. Obviously, first one Saints at Vikings, the Minnesota miracle, the pass, the last second pass to Stefan Diggs, and the complete miss by the cornerback. Don't know what was really going on there, but. Uh, to win it in OT, digs in tears. Um, that was just a fantastic game, and I think everybody can recognize it, um, even Saints fans. And then the other way around, Vikings at Saints, um, the Bounty Gate game, where they base it was overtime, right? Maybe it wasn't. 
can't remember if it was overtime or not, but um, mm-hmm. where Brett Favre threw an interception on the last um, – on his last pass. And I believe it was in like the last 30 seconds of the game. Um, he played injured the entire game. I think everybody recognizes that game. And I believe it had to be, it had to be the, um, bounty gate or the bounty gate game, because that, I believe after that is when they changed the overtime rules after that game. Um, because the saints were allowed to kick a field goal to win it. Um, and then uh, the Broncos at Packers, Super Bowl 32. Broncos' first Super Bowl was a fantastic game from the get-go. Um, Broncos being the wild-card team, and I think we're heavy underdogs to the Favre-led Packers. And that was the helicopter game where John Elway dove head first and got hit and did a helicopter. Uh, Terrell Davis had migraines all game and still churned out like 200 yards on the ground. <laughs> Steve Atwater, there was a Steve hit. Atwater was killing people. But didn't Ray Crockett and Steve Atwater run into each other at one point? Um, I I think it was Randy Hilliard, or, or uh, maybe Crockett. Was I think it was Ray Crockett. But yeah, yeah it was I mean, like the second to last play of the game, and just like Robert Brooks, Steve Atwater, and I know Randy Hilliard was involved. I don't remember if he was. Uh, well, I, I just remember the the. But like they had nobody left. The wide receiver basically missed the ball, but ducked under the hit and the cornerback and, and Steve Atwater hit. And if you know Steve Atwater at all, that dude is a truck. Like he c- crushes people. Um, and I, be- he's in the hall of fame, right? Yep. Uh, yep. He's going in um, this, this summer. year. Thank God. Yeah. One of the best safeties of all time. Um, so yeah, just a very memorable, memorable game for me. Um, one of my first and best memories as a Broncos fan. And then uh, the Packers with the Bears in 2018, the first Monday night, was it? No, it was Sunday night game. It was a Sunday night game where um, Rodgers got his ankle injured, had to go to the locker room before half, came back out in the second half and led the Packers to a win or a comeback from behind win against the Bears. It was Khalil Mack's first game with the Bears after the trade and i just like to call it rogers willis reed moment where i think he kind of he he's already one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in my opinion but i it kind of sealed his legend right there what he can do he's so clutch he has like those two uh, hail marys but this is one of the more memorable moments for me with aaron Rodgers in that willis his willis reed moment if you guys know about willis reed and the new york knicks Man, take it easy with that stuff. It's it's getting a little embarrassing listening to you fantasize about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> kind of a cuck, man. I get it, man. A <laughs> little bit of a cuck. But that's all right. Aren't we all for Aaron Rodgers? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Uh, one last top six list for you. And uh, mine is the top six things that I hope you can do on Grand Theft Auto 6, which was supposed to be out by now. It looks, it sounds like it's delayed a little bit, but it, uh, it's just so perfect that it's Grand Theft Auto 6 uh, on our uh, return to the Super 6 format. So, um, and, and man, there, I actually had a list of more than six things. I had to consolidate a little bit and uh, I had to actually cut some, but um the the top six things that I hope you're going to be able to do uh, with your character on Grand Theft Auto 6. 
number one, make it into the XFL Hall of Fame. Um, I, I guess you'd be the first one, I assume. Uh, number two, sit in your basement eating scrambled eggs because you're non-essential. Uh, number three, Jameis Winston's training regimen. Uh, just have somebody throw that big bag at your head a few times. Um, and throw and throw to 10, to fi- 10 to 15 yards to his best friend or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Go, go get LASIK surgery and your your for some reason your screen clears up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for some reason that training regimen just absolutely triggered David Carr. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that, uh, I hope that you get the, the analysis as well on Grand Theft Auto six, uh, number four, play wide receiver for the Texans. Someone's got to, um, <laughs> number five, install a bidet and turn your bong back into a ventilator and number six trade for a 2020 rookie pick. Lord knows you can't do it in real life. So let's do it in the video game at least. Install a bidet in the video game. Here, <laughs> let's make sure your character's butt's nice and clean. <laughs> yeah. How great would that be if they started out where like you are just coming out of quarantine or you play like your um, hair's all long yeah. and goofy <laughs> looking and like you tried trimming it yourself and yeah. Yeah, he's, I think, he's it, like I think it'd be better if just midway through the game, they were like, all right, you're quarantined and you have to just spend like 20 actual minutes just figuring out what to do around your house. Because that seems more <laughs> Grand Theft Auto to me. You're yeah. just like rolling around your house. You're like, hmm. Oh, and they like do it in real time. So like we're all stuck in in quarantine in our with our stay at, at home orders and and go to play grand theft auto and your characters quarantine too. <laughs> like, yep. so yeah, just, it, I think that would be hilarious. Can like do a puzzle and <laughs> play a video, like have your, your video game character play a video game <laughs> and, and that video game characters quarantine too. Yeah. This is the man. This is bleak. Let's get out of here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go home. Yeah. Well, I mean, pretty soon you're basically just turning Grand Theft Auto into Fallout. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is the beginnings of the the apocalypse. Yeah. You have to you have to be in quarantine for three months, but it still doesn't matter. Oh, that'd be kind of awesome to find out that it's all like the same universe, right? Um, like they like, <laughs> come out of like the the underground bunker or or out of the house, and it's like, <laughs> what happened? Grand Theft Auto, like literally, just turned into Fallout. Yeah, like, <laughs> like you didn't even have to change games or anything. It just it just transitioned for you. Um, yeah, let's uh let's <laughs> let's wrap this up for the week. Uh, as we do that, ask you for a quick favor if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the entire DLF family of podcasts, mega feed, get access to all the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you'd give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to larger audience, involve more people in the conversation. And from there, we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And uh, just a quick note um, involving uh, involving our listeners. So, uh, like I said, we're going live for the NFL draft, just like we did last year. Uh, we'll be live throughout the first round on Thursday. We'll be live throughout the second and third round on Friday. 
And then on Saturday, uh, once the draft concludes, we're going to come back with the first of its kind, a Superflex rookie mock draft. Uh, we're going to do that live as well. So definitely come check that out. But uh, this year, uh, we, we've, we've got a few guests lined up, some, uh, some good friends. But um, as far as going out and getting big names, the big name guests that we're going to bring on this year, it's you. It's you, the listeners. We're going we're gonna to open up phone lines for you to jump in and talk with us about your thoughts on, on the NFL draft. Um, talk about your favorite team. Talk about your fantasy teams. Whatever we're gonna we're gonna keep a seat open for each and every one of you guys. You can come in multiple times throughout the night uh, on both nights, uh, Thursday and Friday, and uh, we're we're gonna get to uh, to talk with all of our super friends about the NFL draft. So make sure you check that out. It's gonna be live on YouTube and Periscope. And, uh, and then, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll also have a, a line for, uh, for everybody to jump in from time to time. Um, with, there are going to be some rules that apply to that. So don't, don't, don't plan on coming in here and just, just going off on a, a series of F bombs or anything like that. But, uh, we would love to talk football with you and, uh, um, spend a little bit of time with, like I said, all of our super friends. Uh, meanwhile, though, in the vein of listener interaction, you can send us your trades on Twitter at Superflex Show. You can also send them to any one of us indiv- individually. Stompy's at FF Stompy. Ethan's at EturnerFF underscore PT. And I'm at Superflex Dude. We can retweet those for you, help you get more votes and comments, and sometimes even bring them here on the podcast and analyze them for you. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song Me Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week for the NFL Draft, stay sexy and super flexy.